0: Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, "Mm, is not this the great Babylon that I've built? As my royal residence, by my power and for my glory and my majesty. Move down to verse 31. Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. (laughs) You'll be driven away from people and live with wild animals. You'll eat grass like the ox seven times a pass until you acknowledge the Most High is sovereign over all kings. Now before we say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, or really anyone else, let's remember this. Pride, self-centeredness, and greed are stealth. We often don't even notice them. See, when when we worship other idols, when when we cross other boundaries of God, I mean, we usually know when we've committed sexual sin, right? You should, right? We usually know when we lie. We usually know when we steal something, don't we? But so often we're the last to know if we're filled with pride or greed or self-centeredness. Hello and welcome to the FBC Sermon Podcast. Today's sermon is titled The Abuse of Power and was based on Daniel chapter 4, verses 28 through 37. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. So, about 18 months ago, early in, in the pandemic, I developed a reading plan for myself. I do that regularly, kind of semester based. And three of the books were about idolatry because we live in a world that's filled with idolatry. Sometimes we can think that idols were ancient statues that primitive people bowed down to, but the idols of our culture are so incredibly seductive. Out of that began the formation of this sermon series, Habits of the Heart, probably about five months ago. And then somewhere around eight to ten weeks ago, I chose the title for this morning's message. And the title is, matter of fact, you can see it on the cards that were uh, mailed to the church family. They're out in the lobby if you want to pick one up. But if you look on this date, the title, The Abuse of Power. If I would have chosen a title and chosen a theme this week, The Abuse of Power. When we see what's happening in our world and on a smaller scale in so many different regions and so many different people's lives. God is sovereign. God knows far ahead exactly what God's people need in different seasons of time. Matter of fact, sometimes people have passed me by after worship or sent me an email a text and they said, Greg, that's exactly what I needed in my life. It's almost like you're reading my emails. Well, trust me, I'm not reading your emails, okay? Because you've got to know that's not me. When God's word comes into our lives, God knows exactly what we need. Rather that be uh, how we need to be corrected, How we need to be challenged or how we need to be raised up and healed in different seasons of our lives. How we give thanks for God's truth that God speaks to us. So this morning's message is the abuse of power in our Habits of the Heart sermon series. We want to explore this morning the idolatry of power. Will you join me in Daniel chapter 4? Uh, It's on page 878 as Nate mentioned. For those of you who are in the house, for those of you who are online, we're one church in the house and in many locations regionally and around the world to queue up your device or in your Bibles. Daniel chapter 4, and we're going to uh, join together in verse 27. And the the story, to understand the context, is that there's this emperor and his name is Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was kind of an ancient Vladimir Putin, or choose the villain that you want to put whenever we read of Nebuchadnezzar. That's who he was to his generation. Matter of fact, he had won the battle of Carchemish, a huge battle to, to open up vistas for him, and he completely destroyed Jerusalem. This was the Putin or choose your person of his generation. But you see, God had positioned in his cabinet this guy named Daniel. Daniel had risen from a slave to be in his Cabinet, and tr- through that, Daniel spoke truth to power. Now, Daniel did it after earning the privilege through the integrity of his life and through his relationship. He earned the privilege to speak truth to power, and we're going to see how God honored that and brought transformation to this guy. And I want to remind us that God is still positioning people today, God is still positioning Daniels and Danielas in so many different places. Rather, it be in government, education, medicine, business, media, social services, and parents nurturing their children. No matter what our vocation, no matter where we live, if we're a follower of Jesus, God's Spirit is positioning us in different venues of our lives to be His people, to be about God's mission in the world, God's redemptive mission. So now we come to Daniel chapter 4, verse 27. Your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what's right in your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. God warns Nebuchadnezzar. This happens in a dream. In this dream that Nebuchadnezzar has, it's, it's earlier in the chapter, fills most of the chapter. And here's what's beautiful about it. God has the courage to convict people. But God is also gracious to often give us a season of time to listen, to hear, to grasp, and to repent of whatever it is that God is calling us to. Well, this this time for Nebuchadnezzar would be 12 months. Here's the challenge for us. Here's a takeaway already. Do we respond when God's Spirit convicts us? And let's remember that when God's Spirit convicts us, It's never to condemn us. If we're in Christ, when God's Spirit's convicting us, it's never, oh, Greg, I saw that. And Greg, I'm going to squish you for it. See, God never convicts us to condemn us. God's Spirit always convicts us to change us, to bring us to repentance or bring healing and to align our lives more like Christ. And here's what that means. We can lean in when God's Spirit convicts us. Because naturally, you know, when someone speaks truth into our life, the most natural thing for all of us, right, is to hide. But God is trustworthy. And we can lean into God's Spirit when God's Spirit is convicting us in order to change us. And so that's exactly what's happened with Nebuchadnezzar. And let's see what happens 12 months later. Verse 29. 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace... Of Babylon. He said, "Mm, Is not this the great Babylon that I've built as my royal residence by my power and for my glory and my majesty? Notice how self absorbed Nebuchadnezzar has become. Notice the pronouns. He says, I built my palace, my capital, my power, my glory. And he's built this on violent conquest tribute of people to him, and he's enslaved people. He's built it on oppression. I built my palace, my capital, my power, my glory. Here's the principle for us to learn here, and we talk about this quite a bit at First Baptist. It's the move from ownership to stewardship. See, it can be easy for us to say the same thing, can't we? It's my life to do with it whatever I want. It's my education. I worked hard to earn it. It's my money. I've worked hard. I can do what I want with it. It's my career. This has been my advancement. This is my achievement. But here's the challenge with that. Who gives us the ability to even earn those things? Who gives us the mind to be been able to accomplish those things? And who has positioned us with the opportunities to even have those things possible? For us, that for many people, for many places of the world, those things are not even possibilities. And so really, in all of these things, we're really just stewarding what God has entrusted to us by faithfully doing the work and the calling that God has given to us. Because otherwise, it's really like spiritual plagiarism, isn't it? You know, several years ago, I think it was 1993 after a Chicago Bulls game, uh, Steve Kerr was interviewed. He, he's now the, cult, the coach of the Golden State Warriors. And he said, this is the greatest day of my life. Said, really, yeah, it's the greatest day. You know, Michael Jordan and I combined for 65 points today. And people began to laugh because you see, Michael Jordan scored 64 points that day. <laughs> and Steve Kerr s- scored one point, right? But isn't that what we sometimes do? It's my life. It's my money. This person who I'm dating, whatever. And it's easy for us to somehow think it's mine when the truth is God has entrusted these things to us and we're working diligently to faithfully steward what God entrusts to us. Now imagine the difference that this could make. Imagine if God's people really said, you know, this is God's nation and these are God's people that I'm called to govern. Imagine if God's people really said, these are really God's employees that I'm called to supervise and steward the power that I've been given. You know, this is God's wealth. These are God's resources God has entrusted to me that are about Christ's mission. You know, this is God's child that I'm out on this date with. So I'm going to interact with that person according to who they are in the image of God. Imagine if parents said, you know, these kids who are growing up in our home, they're they're really on loan from God. They're really God's kids, and God has entrusted them to us to nurture them and and launch them out to be about Christ's mission in the world. Imagine the difference that that would make. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, we read, Remember the Lord your God, for it's the Lord who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Ownership to steward. Do we have some things that we need to release the ownership of? And say, God, instead of I or my, this is yours that you've entrusted me with to steward according to your glory. Well, it's going to take Nebuchadnezzar quite a bit to learn this lesson. Move down to verse 31. Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You'll be driven away from people and live with wild animals. You'll eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass until you acknowledge the Most High is sovereign over all kings. Now, before we say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, or really anyone else, let's remember this. Pride, self-centeredness, and greed are stealth. We often don't even notice them. See, when when we worship other idols, when we cross other boundaries of God, I mean, we usually know when we've committed sexual sin, right? You should, right? We usually know when we lie. We usually know when we steal something, don't we? But so often we're the last to know if we're filled with pride or greed or self-centeredness. Matter of fact, as a pastor for, what, 35 years, I I don't remember anyone saying to me, you know, I really struggle with pride. I'm just not humble enough, Greg. You know, Greg, I'm a little too self-centered. Greg, I'm troubled because I'm greedy. See, it takes humble circumspection for us to really hear God's spirit and show us, or to be in community with people who've earned the privilege like Daniel to speak loving truth into our life. Do you notice the way Daniel... I mean, remember, Daniel's a guy who his nation was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. His family may have been killed by Nebuchadnezzar. And, and all the way back up in verse 27, your majesty, be pleased. He, he's like pleading with him. And so I pray that, um, that we'll have some circumspection and, and, and we'll ask ourselves, God... How am I doing with greed and pride and self-centeredness? Well, in verse 34, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. My sanity was restored. And then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. So so there are the seven times. And and biblical scholars are kind of uh, mixed on whether that means seven years or like seven seasons of the year Uh, it, It doesn't really matter all that much. The point is, he went through years of suffering. But God redeemed the suffering. God never wastes suffering or affliction that we might experience. Maybe you're in the midst of one of those seasons and it just feels like it's just been so long. Maybe it's a season of a crisis or grief or guilt, or doubts, or loneliness. God's not finished. God is our covenant God who walks alongside us even through the pains and the suffering and the anguish of life. And if you wonder what makes the God of the Bible different and unique, it's because Jesus chose to suffer with us. And Jesus knows, not just intellectually, but experientially what it is, Everything that we experience, God is in solidarity with us when we're in pain and we're in suffering. And God is often working things out that we can't see in real time. Nebuchadnezzar, half with, he has no idea what's going on. He just, he's probably angry, he's reeling, he's, who knows what's going on. But somehow through this, God was at work to change his life and to change the, the trajectory for many of his people from oppression to maybe having the first hint of justice that they've ever experienced in their life. I just want to mention one kind of sidebar here. We might ask, Greg, is this a true story? Is this like one of those epic myths of ancient peoples in order for us to strive to have some kind of hope? I want to remind us that um, in the Babylonian chronicles, one of those is the Nebuchadnezzar Chronicle. This is one of them. These are like stone tablets, and they were put in like libraries they were also put uh kind of like billboards okay so so this would be like social media going out viral where where around a, a city or on highways there'd be erected these stones and people stop and read and and it was the exploits of the emperor right it was like the public relations campaign and here's what's fascinating for nebuchadnezzar we read these and then everything stops for what archaeologists and and historians, somewhere between four and seven years, there's nothing. It's like he's disappeared. Then all of a sudden, the writings come back again of his exploits. But you see, we know what happened during those four to seven years. God was working in his life to do whatever it took for him to come to repentance and be transformed. And that's exactly what happens to him, Uh, move down to verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. He says now. This marks transition, now. In other words, his life has changed. His worldview is starting to be transformed. Matter of fact, most of this chapter Is really a page out of his journal or it's it's his faith story. He's sharing how he came to faith in the true and the living God, even through crisis in his life. And here's what's fascinating. Does he come through this angry with God? God, I experienced this mental illness. God, I had this physical disease. God, I had this social stigma. I'm sure he did for a season. But God walked alongside him humbled him, and he learned to trust the true and the living God. And he comes to a season where he's able to say, I praise, I exalt, I glorify God. Now imagine the difference for the people of the empire. We don't know how thoroughly he changed, but at least he's starting on that journey of being changed. I wonder what began the ripples that began to go out from oppression to maybe the first taste of a little bit of justice for the people of the empire. See, sometimes we can think, God could never reach that person. But God can bring life out of death, good out of evil, light out of darkness, hope out of despair. God is the author of life and still the giver of transformative life. It's a challenge for us because do we have expectations of God? Hey, God, when I signed on, I didn't, I didn't sign on to go through anything like Nebuchadnezzar. I, I, I didn't sign I, I signed on so I could have a better life, a better marriage, a better job, that I could be happier. And, you know, God loves to do those things. But God also, God's primary motive in our lives, God's primary mission isn't just to give us a bunch of stuff its primary mission is to shape us more like Christ. So we might be a witness in a fractured, broken world of who Jesus really is. Now, I'll confess to you, I often pray, you know, God, if there's lessons you want to teach me, which is always true, could you help me to be responsive and read it in someone's book or hear it in someone's sermon and not have to experience it myself? But, you know, sometimes those, exp- most of the most godly people I know have been through challenges and it shaped them to become people who, who you just see Jesus oozing through. So, I want to remind us that abuse of power can really be scaled. See, it's easy for us to, to look at like the despot of an empire and be, and be heartbroken, which we should. Or we look at the 1% of who, who own so much of... Uh, global wealth, but then the scale can come down a a little bit. What about a supervisor over someone at work? Or what about how men interact with women? Or, Or how about when people are silent about injustice? Or how people spend their funds in a world filled with poverty? Or how a spouse interacts with their spouse or their kids? the abuse of power god doesn't grade on a scale god calls us whatever our scale to be aware of the abuse of power the abuse of wealth the abuse of privilege i pray it will take an inventory just humbly ask god would you show me while i point fingers which which we should be god would you also help me to bring that home and ask how am i doing with power how am i doing with privilege how am I doing with control? How am I doing with greed in my life? In the Gulag Archipelago, um, Alexander Solzhenitsyn writes, "The line separating good and evil passes not through nations, nor between classes, nor between political parties, but through every human heart." So we have to ask, am I being abusive with power or privilege or resources, or am I stewarding the power, the privilege, the resources that God has entrusted to me? This isn't an anti-wealth, anti-power, anti-privilege message. It's rather we steward it or not. And let's remember that we follow Jesus who stewarded all the power and the privilege and the wealth beyond what we could ever, unlimited, infinite, and stewarded that by becoming a servant and laying down his life to rescue you and me. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you are interested in learning more about what we do here at FBC, please visit our website, fbcarmers.org. Also, consider subscribing to this podcast so you can get a notification when our weekly sermons are posted. Again, thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a great day.